0: Log Talk
1: Radio.
0: And welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Voodoo Rootwork Hour brought to you by the Lucky Mojo. Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at LuckyMojo.com. I'm your announcer, Clifford Lowe of CliffLowe.com in Tina, Tina, New Jersey, and in just a moment we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, and ConjureMan of ConjureManConsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week we'll be joined by a special guest, Reverend James of FolkConjure.com in North Carolina, for our Oracle special on Chinese fortune telling. They will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo conjure or root work as divined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodoists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment. But first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and ConjureMath. Ms. Kat?
2: Hi, folks. Um, I'm speaking to you from a substitute phone. If y'all can't hear me, please post in the chat. I feel very insecure because I'm not connected to the sound in my normal way. We're still waiting for a replacement for my damaged uh, landline phone, the one that works. or used to. My third replacement for damaged landline phone. Anyway, here we are. Um, I wanted to tell everybody I'm doing great. I had my cataract surgery six days ago. I am absolutely on the mend. I get to lift five pounds starting Monday. And then after the next Monday, I'll be able to lift 10 pounds. And on we go. And I'll be back to normal very soon. My eyesight has improved greatly. I recommend cataract surgery to everybody. I see so many more colors that I haven't seen in a long time, and it's making me very cheerful. Um, and I'm in a, in a great mood. I haven't done quite as much reading or work or anything because um, the cataract surgery kind of knocked me out for a few days. I I got into one of those spiraling migraines that people like me get where one migraine starts, the next one starts on the other side of your head, back and forth, and forth, the days of migraines. All gone now. All is better. And uh, I'm very happy to see Tony I here in the chat. A special shout out to Tony I. It's been a little while and I love you, Tony, and it's nice to see you. And of course there are others here too that I know so well, Doc Murphy and and uh Elle Patricia and Doctor Sweets and cousin Joshua and and uh, everybody. Uh Miranda and so forth but i just wanted to say a special shout out to tony i've been missing you buddy and um i don't have anything to report about what's going on here at lucky mojo since i've been away from the job for the week but i do have some news on the upcoming hoodoo heritage festival we've been having meetings every saturday and the way it is planned now it looks like you know barring unforeseen events Tickets will go on sale on Monday. By Tuesday, we will have a primitive version of the website up both at air and at the hoodooheritagefestival.com site. And um, it will not be complete by any means, but you'll get some idea of who's going to be presenting, who's committed, and how we are laying out the festival. As you know, those of you who attend our festivals, both in person and the virtual festivals, uh, these things develop and you should check back on a fairly regular basis to see what what new images, what new text, what new presenters and what new bonuses are being offered at the festival. But that's my news. We've been working on that. And I want to give a special shout out to Ms. Robin, Papa G, Lady Muse um, and Papa Newt all of whom have been working on the festival. Oh, and Mama Virgie, I almost forgot her, who've been, been having these weekly meetings and getting the festival underway. It's just a special subcommittee of the AISC, just as AIR, the Association of Independent Leaders and Root Workers is, is a special subcommittee and the Pro Bono Fund. Each of them has different people working on them and the the. Personnel changes from year to year. This is my first time back working on a festival after two years away from it, and I'm just uh, helping out. I'm not the leader, but I'm having a good time. So that's my news. Um, how about you, Countryman? What's up with you?
3: Uh, things are, are going well. Uh, busy week as usual. Uh, March has, has started off uh, kind of weird, uh, but I'm very much looking forward to the spring equinox. Uh, coming up on us uh, soon. Uh, For most people and most cultures around the world, it's actually the new year. So the spring equinox is actually the new year before we shifted to the calendar that we have now. It's a more natural new year, as some will say. (laughs) So I'm very much looking forward to spring, and hopefully it brings something more uh, positive. I have opened up my reading books for uh, April, if anyone is interested. I'm letting everyone here know first because I always get complaints that I open it up and everyone on the newsletter and whatnot, and they get it first and it all fills up by the time I announce it. And they're like, I've been waiting, so I'm letting you all know first before I let anyone else know so that uh, it doesn't fill up right away uh, and you have time to, to, to book it. But I do have a, a few open. They've already, unfortunately, some of them have been booked, or maybe not unfortunately, but some of them have already been booked. But I have a few slots open for anyone who is doing, interested in readings and finding out what their life the year ahead or have specific questions, happy to take a look at that for them. It is actually interesting. I wanted to say first congratulations to you on a successful surgery. Uh, that's fantastic coming out of that, and I hope for – Uh, brighter vision for you, uh, quite literally, Mm -hmm. uh, and it gives you what you want. Now, you said you had this done six days ago, you said?
1: Yes, that's right, six days
3: ago. Six Mm -hmm. days, and now you're starting to see a little bit better, right, headed in the right direction?
2: Yes. What happened at first was this sort of weird – I called it the TikTok effect. It looked like the logo for TikTok. Everything had little – blue and that was sort of that grayish on
1: TikTok
2: tock sort of greenish greenish on one side and blue on the other everything was like out of registration but it's all settled right. down in my right eye my left eye is still a little wacky but it's getting there it's definitely improving so yeah oh, okay. the weird thing the okay. weird thing is while i was on the um while i was under anesthesia They were, you know, on my eyeballs, and I could see migraine patterns, and I knew they were giving me a migraine by hammering on my eyeball. And I even spoke up about it. I said, "This is very interesting. Are you aware of the fact that you're you're giving patients migraines while you do this? I'm seeing migraine patterns, and they just turned the anesthetic up so that I stopped talking."
1: (laughs) Oh (laughs) Jesus.
2: They didn't want to hear my <laughs> blow-by-blow commentary about, oh, no, this migraine pattern is rather fine-grained. And as soon as
3: <laughs> that, that's uh, one way I, to deal with the patient, oh, dear. Oh, dear. They just
2: upped the gain on the Versed and knocked me back, mm. but I woke up with a migraine, and the doctor had nothing to say about it. But his assistant, who was a woman who has migraines, said, oh, yes, all the migraineous women report after cataract surgery that they have a migraine, and most of them report having a migraine while it's going on. So all you women out there who get migraine, be prepared. <laughs> it would have been nice if they had told me that was going to happen.
3: You give you a little bit of a heads up, well, speedy recovery, yeah,
2: Miss uh So much blue in the sky. I'm much more... I don't know how dull and gray the world looks until you have had cataracts for... During
1: pandemic when they on anybody. Um,
3: you are cutting out on just a little bit, Miss Kat. I don't know if anyone else is having this problem as well, but I, I, will, I can – sort of every other word is showing up for me right now.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: so, well, I'm so, using like, I'm cell phone as prescribed my husband. Now I'm into the room, and he's going to do something for me. And I don't know what
3: it is. Um,
2: it's regular phone. Ah, uh, it's a regular
3: phone. So that's
2: uh, in my ear. Are you there? Um,
3: yes, we can hear you. Better? Okay. No uh, I got th- that. okay speak- yes, I think we're a little bit better. Should we keep speaking? No business cat. there? Am I gone? Am I uh, doing one
2: here? Good. I'm really sorry, folks. Um, Shiva, you're going to have to put me on the defective landline
3: nobody can hear me in the meantime
2: how about this
3: in the meantime i i cannot even hear what you said after in the meantime so what we'll do is uh introduce (laughs) uh uh, how about we introduce reverend uh, james and hopefully by that time we can have the illustrious miss cat back um so (laughs) That we'll, we'll take over for you real briefly, Miss Kat, and welcome back whenever your, your phone works just pop up. So welcome, join me in welcoming Reverend James, who is our newest member of AIR, and in his sort of debut, he's actually joining us at a... Uh, Oracle Hour. So this is a sort of unique welcome where he gets to showcase his fantastic, cool, and unique abilities in reading and divination. So first, welcome to you, Reverend James. Glad to have you here. And welcome to AIR.
4: Yes, thank you, Conjurement Ali. I greatly appreciate it.
3: It's such a pleasure to finally uh, meet you digitally. I saw your profile, and the profile looks very, very cool. Uh, For those of you that don't know him, first go to readersandrootworkers.org. On the left, you'll see Reverend James. He's got some really fantastic things that he does, some beautiful images, for example, of a fiery wall of protection spell for a client. And let me just tell you, that is a gorgeous, gorgeous altar working you've got there. So go and check that out. It's it's Um, one of my favorites. Yeah, it is very cool. Now, you have a very unique background, if, if I can call it unique. So you have a little bit of background in uh, Celtic, Wiccan, Druidism. You also clearly do root work and hoodoo on behalf of people. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your background in spiritual work? Because there, you are quite unique here, uh, just so that people can get to know you a little bit.
4: Uh, Well, you know, I grew up in South Carolina, and um, my family has always had little bitty superstitions and things that they Mm. uh, typically use in their life, especially my great-grandparents. They lived in uh, Appalachia um, in North Carolina, and that's actually where I'm living at now in our ancestral home, if you will. Um, And uh, they've taught me all kinds of things about um, different things that they've learned from uh, other people. In the area, um, especially uh, the Cherokee Nation that's very close by and mm-hmm. um, but the thing that kind of really got me into spirituality and and really uh, pushed my uh, vision, so to speak, would be was whenever I was younger, I um, unfortunately got my face burnt very bad um, and my mother took me to this woman on what we call the old mill Hill and um mm. what she did is she she talked the fire out she 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 said a few prayers over my face and she blew over it and uh, prayers from the bible and um mm-hmm. suddenly the the pain just vanished and you know oh, to this wow. day i i don't i don't have a scar it never it never showed up um and that was just the proof to me of the spirit realm <laughs> if you will wow that is uh,
2: an
3: intense introduction
2: yeah hey by the way i'm back oh, and, we can um now i'm I'm now speaking on a nineteen nineties era mobile phone
3: well, your nineteen nineties era mobile phone sounds delightful right now it's <laughs> yeah, better it's fabulous. better than
2: my brand modern <laughs> apple iphone i get that maybe, maybe right. old is gold <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay um, well, I just wanted to throw in a little bit here about um Reverend James because I've been knowing him for a while he's been a he was a student of mine, but his really um unique qualities come out in the fact that he's also studied asian magic and mm-hmm. this is w- what we are going to be getting here on this show. We're going to have a little panel talk about chinese yeah. fortune telling methods um and I'm going to say one thing James I am looking forward to you writing up a few of these methods of divination and putting them at the air site. I know you're a good writer and I know you're uh, very good technically because I've seen your work at the for at the uh, um at the air website already. You're you're great. So we have a lot to look forward to but this is our little introduction to James and to Uh, Chinese fortune-telling. So Mm. I'm just going to set the scene a a little bit here. Every culture has its own favorite methods of divination and some of them more obscure than others and some of them more universal than others. Pretty much every culture has some form of stargazing, star-watching. We could call it astrology, but some of them don't call it that. But there'll be something about watching the moon or watching the stars or watching the planets. Every culture pretty much has some form of divination through contact with disembodied spirits, mediumship, or something of that nature. But there are local forms of fortune-telling that are so unusual, they developed in a small region, or even Mm -hmm. a large region, but never... read beyond that region, sometimes by virtue of different language uh, sources or different writing styles that cannot be easily transliterated, and thus it is with Chinese fortune-telling. Because of the nature of Chinese character writing, it's not easy to translate into English. You just can't um, really look it up in a dictionary the way uh, you can with any of the Indo-European languages. And so these methods developed... And they have flowered, and they have been passed on for generations in a pretty much geographically limited area. But some of them have made the uh, break to get out into Western culture. And the two that are most popular in Western culture are the I Ching, which was popularized Mm -hmm. um, during the early 20th century, and the uh, Chinese astrology, which was popularized by being printed on a bazillion restaurant menu placemats. And you could go to a Chinese restaurant, and you would look up what your Chinese zodiac sign was, and then you knew, and it would give you a little bit of thing about what you were, and you would see things like, it's the year of the ox, or it's the year of the tiger, and you'd go, ah, that's what I am. And so people learned a little bit about Chinese astrology, many of them don't know it's based on the cycles of Jupiter. That never occurred to them to even ask. But um, those two things are what most people in America know as Chinese fortune telling. However, there are many, many other systems, and I'm not even going to venture to give their names in Chinese. One of them is known as moon blocks, to people who just speak English, like me. And there's another um, one which is was introduced into America around 1910, 1915, both in San Francisco and Los Angeles. And this is called in American, Chi-Chi sticks, but in Mm -hmm. um, Chinese, depending on which Chinese language you speak, they might be called Chen Tong, or they may, uh, there's other names, and I'm sure James is going to explain it all. But this was my introduction to Chinese fortune-telling, and I have my sticks right here. And been having them since I was a child, and bought them in San Francisco, Chinatown, so i'm going to turn this over to James. I want you to um oh and I just there's another one that's somewhat becoming known, and that is Chinese face reading There's a few people now who are uh american born whether of Chinese descent or not, who do Chinese face reading. I have one friend in particular who lives in Hong Kong who does it a man named uh, Walter Davis anyway um James, take us on a tour, a walking tour of Chinese fortune telling. We just let you have the floor, and you tell us all about it.
4: All right. Well, um, I guess I would have to start with um, where I kind of came into it and where I met it. Um, And that would be on um, a temple in Taiwan, in Taipei. It's called Longshan Temple. And um, it's actually one of the more unique temples where most temples you enter um, the tiger and exit the dragon, which is the left to the right. Um, in this particular temple, you enter the dragon and enter uh, exit the uh, tiger. Um, but one of the the two most uh, biggest uh, or most common fortune-telling uh, types that you'll encounter in uh, Buddhist and Taoist temples is the Kiaobei, which is the uh, Moon blocks. Um, you could also call them Yu bei, which is moon blocks literally, or uh, Yin Yang bei, because they it's, just, it's kind of like coins. You know, you have your Yin side and you have your Yang side, so they can be called Yin Yang uh, Bei Is the word for cups. Um, those go hand in hand with the what's called the Chi Chi sticks or the Kao Qing or the uh, Xiu Chen. All of the same words, uh, same same method which is the sticks in the um, bamboo little cup that you kind of say a prayer, shake them, and then a stick will fall out, and you'll take that to the lottery wall usually or a reader, and they'll give you a lottery slip um, that'll give you your reading. Um, The way these work hand in hand is that uh, typically what you'll do is you'll uh, say a prayer, you'll reach into the, the bamboo um, cup and pull out a stick, and then you'll go over and you'll pick up your jiao bei, your moon blocks, and you'll give them a little shake, and then you'll throw them, and you get one of four different types of answers. You'll get um, a xiang jiao, which is uh, the divine answer, so that is one flat side up and one round side up, so that's your your yin yang balance. Or you could get a new jiao which is an angry answer, or angry gods. Um, that's basically a, a no answer. You need to start again. Uh, the, the question you asked wasn't right or it's not the right time. Um, and it's time to choose a different stick. Um, you could also get a xiao zhao, uh which is the laughing gods. That's with uh, both flat sides up. And the, the funny thing is, is whenever the, the moon cups land with the flat sides up, they're on the round sides. So if they kind of give a little jiggle and it kind of looks like laughing because they kind of look like a smile. So that's why they call it laughing, God. It's uh, kind of a way that's saying not no, but not yes, but more of like it's unclear uh, or it's not quite the right time. Uh, this is where you'd want to go back and you'd want to reiterate your question and try again. Uh, then you have the li jiao, which is a standing answer. This one's very, very uncommon in a way that you'll get it because it's, where the moon block will fall on its side and be standing up, which is very hard to do. In this case, it's just you need to you need to completely start over from the beginning and pick a pick a new direction for your reading.
2: May I ask a question? I Absolutely. wasn't keeping count. I wasn't keeping count. Mm-hmm. How many answers do those those yin yang blocks
4: give you? What's They'll your total you number four, of answers? Three. Uh, four different kinds of answers. So you have the yin-yang, which is the, the one flat mm-hmm. side up or and round side up. Mm-hmm. You'll have mm-hmm. the angry gods, which is both with the round side up, which if you put them together, kind of looks like pursed lips. And it makes me think mm-hmm. of uh, that movie, The Devil Wears Prada, where she purses her lips, and it means, you know, really terrible.
1: <laughs>
4: mm-hmm. uh. You have Xiao Jiao, which is the laughing god. That's where the round side or the the rounded side is on the bottom and the flat side is up. So they'll kind of jiggle. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm.
4: And then you have the Ling jiao, which is the standing answer, which is very hardly ever you'll get that. Mm -hmm.
2: Okay, I like the math of that. And it's interesting because these blocks are an irregular shape. And yes, I can conceive of them landing standing up, but that would be unusual.
1: So now
2: the way I'm just going to point out the way that I was taught to do the Chi Chi sticks and printed right here on the box, which is copyright 1915 by the Pacific Coast Dry Goods Company of San Francisco, California, Um, Mm -hmm. you were to shake them and Mm -hmm. um, one would fall out at like under the table and there were mm-hmm. no moon blocks were used. You just shook that, that was your number, that's what you got. Now, this may be an Americanized or simplified way of doing it, hmm. but it also is right. possible that it was done that way in some parts of China, because China is a vast territory, and not hmm. every method is the same. And uh, you and I were talking a while back about when you get these numbers, there is a little booklet that you get, and it consists of poetry, In English, the poetry is more or less excellent (laughs) and more or less actual, uh, recognizably written by someone who is using English as a second language. But they are different. The books that you get with different um, uh, sticks are different. And you told me, and I learned something new, which is that there were different sets of these sticks for different deities that were used at different temples. So it's not that there's one uniform right way or wrong way. Some uh, cups of sticks or tubes of sticks will have 100 sticks in them, and some will have 78, and some are dedicated yeah. to Kuan Yin, the goddess Kuan Yin, and some are dedicated to other deities. Is that correct? Uh
4: huh. Yeah, there's actually a whole slew of, of gods, um, um, particularly Taoist mostly, but there are a few Buddhist gods that have their own lottery system. Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm.
4: Yeah.
2: And so the number, again, this is as I was taught this in San Francisco, Chinatown, uh, the number is your lucky number to bet for that day only, and the poem mm. is your fortune for that day only. That's how I was. Yeah,
4: that's very interesting. Um, so, sometimes the the slips that you get from the the lottery board or from the, the um, interpreter will have numbers on it as well. hmm In see. in a temple that is.
2: Mm-hmm. In a temple, yeah. This and was the, done. Um, right, one of right. the things we did we we posted a um, a postcard uh, image of a person using these sticks in San Francisco Chinatown before the uh, 1906 earthquake. The Photo was taken by a man named Charles Widener, who was a German-born photographer, and it was hand tinted in Germany. And behind him, the man there's a there's a child watching, and then behind the man, there's posters explaining what he does. He has books next to him, maybe the I Ching and commentary. It's hard to tell. He has a cup. He's holding the sticks. And Mr. Widener took a number of pictures of these. Um, fortune tellers in San Francisco who sat on the street, not in the context of a temple. And they would, um, you know, we all we know about them are these beautiful old photos that Charles Widener took. And they more or less disappeared after the destruction of San Francisco in the earthquake and fire. And you didn't see them on the street after that.
3: Mm -hmm. I want to ask Reverend James here, I mean, one of the reasons we do this Oracle Hour is because if you go to air, everybody reads cards. And there's nothing wrong with reading cards. Reading cards is great, but it's the most ubiquitous form of readings. Um, but there's so much more out there. And sometimes there are these unique forms of reading that only one or two or three uh, people do, like, uh, for example, geomancy. There's only a handful of us on air that do geomancy. And this puts you in quite a unique category, Reverend Jiggs. Not everyone does these forms of divination. Um, is there a preferred method you have if clients come to you not looking for, for example, uh, card readings, but they're looking for some form of Chinese fortune telling? Is there a particular method that you use with clients uh, that you find that connects with them, with helps answers their questions, that they can expect if they reach out to you uh
4: it really depends on the type of question um, if it's a very simple straightforward question mm-hmm. i really like to go with what's called Ren,
1: which mm-hmm. um,
4: literally translates to little young waters um and it's a it's a form of what they call chinese finger counting and it utilizes mm-hmm. three different numbers um usually the uh, lunar month, day, and hour that the person is asking, but that really refines how many people can ask the question. So contemporary um, uh, fortune tellers typically just ask their client for three random numbers or numbers that are associated mm-hmm. with their question. And it will uh, give you an uh, idea of what your, the beginning of your situation is, how that, uh, your situation will progress, and then the outcome. Uh, as far as a more complicated question where you want to really dig into something and find out all the, the nitty-gritty, I really like to use uh men zun which is literally translated as um, the mysterious door hiding the jia or the emperor. Um, it was traditionally used for war. Uh, to figure out where to attack from, um, where the enemy is going to be attacking from, and whether or not they have good defenses, et cetera. Um, hmm. But it can really dig into the interpersonal relationships between uh, people, um, the the relationship with uh, the person and the environment, and the person and heaven.
3: Hmm, fascinating. Fascinating
4: so um
2: i'm going to mention another Chinese method of fortune telling, which has become somewhat popular among Western numerologists and and that is reading the uh, lo Shu birth date fortune and this is more of a character analysis than it is a daily prediction or answer to question and um you can um see it in I wrote about it in the book that I co-wrote with a lot of dead people, which is called um, The Secrets of Numbers Revealed. Um, the dead people being Dr. Roy Page Walton, Louis de Claremont, and Godfrey Spencer who may not have ever existed. Um, but anyway, if that Shu uh, Square, which is related to Chinese feng shui or architectural fortune divination or landscape fortune divination, is used um, to Get a character reading or analysis based on your birth date, which in Western numerology is called your life path number. But the Lo Shu Square method involves you putting in all the digits of your birth date and um, putting marks in the squares where the numbers are. And this is a magic square in which uh, it's three by three. Sometimes in Western Uh, magic called the square of Saturn, and um, all three rows, all three columns, and all two diagonals all add up to 15. And this method of reading is something that has made a sort of a break into uh, American uh, numerology, and you can read it in my book, or you can ask a Chinese fortune teller to work out that birth date number and you'll get a much more detailed reading because they have a I mean there's there's entire tomes just written on how to read the low shoe square. You can always recognize it. It is 492 uh four nine two three five seven eight one six if you look at the numbers mm-hmm. in
3: order. Um, and the Lo Shu yeah, square but, in, is believed to have introduced the magic squares into India and the Middle East, where it makes its way into Europe.
2: That's right, and becomes in Judaism, and yeah, yeah, yep. it becomes a whole Kabbalistical thing. And there, yeah. you can make a, a magic squares of universally you know, infinite number of numbers. There's formulas for making magic squares, yep. but the
4: yep. Lo Shu square is the
3: is the original,
4: the original, yeah, yeah. That yeah, they say that it came out on the back of a turtle. That's right,
2: that's right, mm-hmm. and um uh, mm-hmm. uh it this would have been there' was a particular species of turtle that that has a kind of a yellow and black wavy spotty patterns on its uh yeah. shell and um and yeah, you could kind of imagine that that's where it came from, or someone said it did. supposedly mm-hmm. it was a giant turtle even
3: <laughs> you cover um shell readings and turtle shell readings in your bone book, bone divination book, right, cat?
2: Yes, I I did. I covered oracle bone readings in a brief way. In other words, that's a a topic that requires its own entire system. Oracle bone readings predate I Ching, but they end up in somewhat the same places. I mean, but how you get there is um, a fascinating story in its own right. And those use a turtle shell bone. Uh, and th- that's how they're done. So the connection between the turtle or tortoise, and um, uh, the, tor- the tortoise's connection to fortune telling runs deep in Chinese
1: Very culture. Right. Yeah, Yeah.
4: Mentioning the Lo Shu, that's actually the basis for the um, what they call the plate or the the chart for the Chimendunja. Dunja. So that's where um, all of the parameters and things from the different uh, hmm. times hmm. will fly to these different palaces or or areas in the square
2: so this is again related to the idea what's sometimes called a, some people call it a compass a feng shui compass lo shu compass and uh, yes, there's actually yeah and it also yes. it also relates to the more modernized form what i call apartment feng shui where you divide your house and rooms into squares and there's something called sometimes called the flying star method where things move. It's like a moving form of fortune telling where something moves to the other space depending on parameters that the fortune teller will know. That is a really an amazing way of working. There have been some good popularizers of those types of feng shui in the U.S., um, I'm not going to name names because someone will hate on them, but the, you look up um, some of the books that were written by uh, actual Chinese people. My, I, I will say my favorite is a woman named Lillian Tu, T-O-O. But, you know, she has her haters, and there are other people who love other schools. I happen to like her writing. It's very sensible to me.
4: Yeah, um, and speaking of uh, feng shui, that, that's one thing that's really fascinating about Qimindunjia is that it – Um, can be used for so many different things it can be used as a destiny reading so that would be similar to what uh you know uh, to western astrology would call a natal chart um it could be used for you know uh predictions so that would be considered you know similar to the election astrology it could be used for um feng shui audits so it can it ties in with so many different parts of chinese metaphysics it's just enormous in the information that it provides
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, we should note that there is a, a, a pretty consistent theme that we see in a lot of Chinese fortune telling, and that is the role of numbers and calculation. Um, we've often talked, particularly in the Oracle Hours, how divination can be divided up into a variety of different methods, right? There is the rationalist, the interpretist. We've talked about, for example, the difference between scrying and, say, astrology. Um, But what we really see is a sort of unique synthesis around calculation, counting, um, building sort of correspondences in many Chinese fortune telling. And that really sets them apart in some ways because they fuse the interpretive with the calculating component in in a way that really takes – that doesn't happen until much later in the rest of the world. So you start to see some of this stuff – Around late medieval, early early Renaissance stuff, but this older notion of everything can be connected to numbers, everything can be calculated, and that there's a system of correspondences that all link this together is really at the heart of a lot of Chinese fortune telling. And you can really see it in Reverend James and many of the fortune telling that you've discussed here. The method, there is a sort of numbers component to it, a system underlying it.
2: Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that is, n- that n- that n- is n- really true, everywhere. and and um, uh, Chinese uh, culture puts a great emphasis on rational mathematics as well as spiritual yeah. mathematics. So yep. does Indian culture. So does Arabic culture. So does Jewish yeah. culture. Those cultures that that value rational mathematics or scientific mathematics or whatever you want to call it, also tend to come up with mathematical. Uh, systems of fortune telling, and yep. they yep. develop later in cultures with which, for which math was not such a central concern. Yep. It's interesting. You're you're absolutely right. What a great historian you are, uh, Conjureman. You really understand it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> History of divination is interesting, and I think you can really see this here. But also the connections. It's not just the low shoe right, that you see kind of travel through here, but you really see that idea that. The world is made up of letters and numbers. The universe is made up of it, whether God, the creator, whatnot, created mm-hmm. the world through numbers and letters, and understanding the, the mathematics behind it helps you to do both magic but also to understand the wisdom of the world, right? So calculation, yeah. numbers, these system of correspondences right there at the heart of the culture.
2: Yeah. And remember also that in talking about any culture's divination methods or fortune-telling methods, that fortune-telling itself breaks very neatly into two parts, character mm-hmm. analysis and prophecy prediction. And yeah. um, so in the case of Chinese fortune-telling, we haven't even touched on character analysis methods such as right. Chinese face reading. We're exactly. just dealing with the Basically. predictive. Yeah, And that's a, maybe a, something for another show. <laughs> yeah. All
3: right, oh, there's our music. Very cool.
2: Well, thank you so much, um, Reverend James, and I really hope to get a reading from you in this method um, in the future. I, I love it, and I hope that people find you on air and look you up. Now we are going to go to our client, and we only have one sign-up, says Nagashiva in the chat. So if anybody in the uh, chat room would like to sign up for a reading, Take it away, just jump in and uh, and just say hi, I'm here because this is your chance to get Chinese fortune telling. Mm-hmm. Um and it it um it could be a regular caller, it could be um it could be anybody. In fact, it 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 could be Tony I, for instance. Um so um anyway, we'll turn this over to Clifford and we'll take our first reading.
0: Okay. Stay tuned. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with your host, Catherine Ardwin Condrum. I'll be right back. We'll be taking calls from our listeners, answering their questions to spiritual divination and prescribing downhoned down home conjure remedies and remediation our calling clients are selected from among among those who have filled out a short questionnaire at the lucky mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com you can listen to the show online through blog talk radio or via telephone by dialing 818-394-8535 if you filled out a client question at the forum and you have not already done so please dial in now 2818-394-8535 2818-394-8535 and press 1 to let us know that you're available to be on the air. We will select our callers by their area code and if your area code is announced, we'd like to say hello and let me, your announcer Clifford Lowe, read a brief description of your situation before turning it over to our hosts. Now it's time to go to the phones and take our first caller. Our caller is Miss Moody, calling from area code 631. Miss Moody, are you there? Yes,
1: I yes, you're am. not hello. there.
0: Oh, Oh, good. Good. Oh, you indicated that you had had prior readings on the situation, but the situation had changed. Um, you said that you just finished the Hoodoo course, and you'd like to know where your strength lies in the work. Should you focus on readings, or what kind of work should you offer clients? You're trying to build a clientele. What should you do that would increase good clients to approach you? Turning over to you, Miss Kat.
2: Hi, Miss Moody. It's so nice to hear from you.
1: <laughs>
2: I'm, I'm very... I, hi, I'm very glad you've called in. And what a great question for the fortune-telling hour, the Oracle Hour. So for those who don't know her, Ms. Moody is a graduate, and I hope, Ms. Moody, that you apply to Hoodoo Psychics and AIR and that we will one day be interviewing you on this show. But um, let's take it away with the idea of giving you a of readings. Now, I'm going to do um, the first um reading. And then James will do the second reading and Conjure will offer you some root work. Okay? So what I'm well, going to do is use, as I promised, these Chi Chi sticks from nineteen fifteen. Now I actually collect these, so I always go overboard. I have six different versions of them, each one different. And and they all have their own booklets and so Some of them are in Chinese and I can't read them. But what I'm going to do is follow the instructions given on my Kuan Yin Chinese fortune telling six from the FC On Company, 510 Los Angeles Street, Los Angeles, California. And these are from about 1935. And the instructions is a literal translation of some Chinese words, which I'm sure the person didn't realize how interesting they sounded in English. What the words are on the cover of the book, Chinese fortune teller, lucky, lucky coming today, shaking, shaking, come one, lucky, lucky number, look in the book and happy. And on the back it says, Chinese daily fortune teller, lucky, lucky coming, the oldest Quan Yin God method in China. Okay, so that's what I'm going to be reading from those, uh, that booklet and I'm also going to be reading from the booklet "Chi Chi Chinese Daily Fortune Teller, the Oldest Known Method of Fortune Telling in the World," 1915, from the um, Pacific Company. And they have their their instructions are: hold box as in illustration, which is at about a 20 degree angle, shake with a snappy downward motion, and keep on shaking. Don't stop. That's in all caps. Until just one stick drops out, the number on the stick will be your fortune as described in the accompanying book. If more than one stick should drop out, shake over again. And this is your luck for today, it's called. So that's what I'm going to do is answer your questions with this. And here we go. And I hope they don't fall all over the floor. There it goes. There's the one. Ah! Fell on my keyboard. Okay. And the lucky number is number 13. And so I'm going to read this both ways from both booklets. So number 13, and this is the question, how shall you build up your reading career? What should you offer to people? And, uh, and how will you draw clients to you? So number 13, you will not succeed, for money deals will be bad indeed. Someone is very fond of you, so let your actions be both kind and just, lest little ills cause woe to thine and thee. You may lose an old man friend you have depended upon, but your wish is not yet possible. So this is reading saying that to get money from readings right away is not going to be possible, but that you will be... uh, do good to be kind and I would interpret that as saying you might want to do some free readings you might want to practice more don't expect that right now that reading is going to make you rich right away the other book the Kuan Yin book says I see you try number 13 and I see you fail but I see you start again with hearty hail does it matter much if you need must this is English is really hard to read. Does it matter much if you need musts weather the heavy gale? Bright skies, a calm sea, and an open port often appear for a ready sail. So both of these agree in basics that, that this attempt to right now set yourself up as a fortune teller may be difficult for you and may not produce the um, results that you are hoping for It may not produce uh, money the way that you would expect it to or wish it to. But if you keep on going, you will catch a wind. You will catch a sail. So I would just say that that is, um, since both of them agree, what I would do is begin to offer your work. Don't quit your day job. Offer your work and offer your readings as best you can uh, knowing that it's going to take a bit of what we might call apprenticeship, or a waiting. If I were to put this into tarot cards, I would call it the Three of Wands. But that's just me. I have a tarot card for every situation in my inner vision, I guess. So, do you uh, do you understand what I'm saying to you? It's not a it's not saying you will fail to have a business, but that right now you will not be able to jump in the in the boat and set sail. You have to wait for the wind to carry you. I hope that makes sense to you. Yes, it does. Okay. So that's not a that's not a forever no. Now remember, these sticks that I read are usually said to be for today's luck. So don't expect that six months from now you're going to go, Kat said I would fail. That's not what I said. This is today's luck. It says you need to wait a little bit. All right. And that also, by the way, shows that Chi Chi sticks may not be the best divination system for a long term life changing question. And that's why we might use astrology, for instance, or something that itself is on a longer time scale. I'm going to turn this over to Reverend James, and he's going to bring you another form of Chinese fortune telling.
4: Hello. So um, I've got how are you?
2: Well, thank you.
4: Okay, so I have here. Um, we're going to do uh, your reading through Chi Min Dunja, and so I'm looking at a nine uh, square uh, square here. And um, what we're doing is we're trying to find out where you sit, and where your sales sit, and where your clients sit, and see how those interact. So, what I'm seeing here is that you sit in a palace that is designated as metal. Okay. And the um, goods that you are producing, so your readings and your services, are sitting in a palace that is wood. This isn't really a good thing because metal chops wood. So um, you're you're kind of cutting yourself off in a certain in a certain aspect in a way. Um, but the good thing is, is that um, that since the out since um, you counter your your goods. That means that things won't kind of go very quickly. Like Ms. Kat said, things are going to kind of go a little slow. There's not going to be a high demand in the beginning, but that eventually things will start to pick up again. And what I see here in your palace, what you are represented as is also the representative for profit and money. So I do think you can make a good bit and a decent bit of money at this, although it's going to take you some time to build up that clientele. Um, as far as what I think you would be good at, um, some other parameters that sit in your palace are the moon. And the moon is about secretive things. So that tells me that I think you would be a very good reader. Um, the other uh, parameter that sits in your, your palace is the, um, the the heart. And the heart is representative of... Uh, love and things like that. So I think you would be really good at doing love root work and things like that. Um, you're also sitting with what's called the open door. So that means this is a really good time and a really good place for you to build a business. But again, it's just going to take some time, and that's with a lot of things. You'll 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 uh, you'll get better as things go along. Thank you. You're very
3: welcome.
2: All right, now we're going to turn this over a countryman and he's going to give you some root work based on our readings basically Mm. on how to prepare yourself for success when it does come after a time of preparation
1: yeah
3: I'm going to give you some root work advice you've gotten some really great readings here I'm going to give you a combination of spiritual and practical advice so first I tell this to most people who are interested in doing client work and who are interested in doing spirit work more regularly. Uh, ancestral work is key. Not everyone has to do ancestral work, but some type of connection to a higher power is really, really important here. Setting up an ancestral altar is really great because they can act as your mediators with the world of spirit. And if you're particularly going to be doing client work, you're going to be inviting a lot into your life. So you want to make sure that you have Something here that can give you uh, a mediation, something that can balance uh, the, their influences that you draw into your life really crucial to do that, and so I, I think uh, ancestor work is pretty useful you don 't again don 't have to do ancestor work. it can be something else, uh, but I do recommend connecting with ancestors. You might be surprised and find that one of your ancestors in fact um, did spirit work themselves, or they had some type of spiritual connection. That may be the key to finding what your gifts are, uh, by connecting with the ancestors. And two, develop a devotional practice. When I mean a devotional practice, whatever your religious tradition is, whatever your spiritual tradition is, is, whether it's, um, you know, uh, Christianity, or Judaism, Islam, paganism, something else, whatever it is, find some form of devotional practice that can help ground you. Uh, most of the traditions will have a kind of fusion of devotional magical work. So, you know, maybe for you it's planetary devotions or something, or maybe you set up a, an angelic altar, or maybe you regularly go to church on Sunday, or you, you know, observe the Sabbath. Whatever it is, this is important. We often treat magic and religion as entirely separate, but the two in traditional history often overlap with each other and devotional practices can help ground you it can give you the spiritual tools you need to deal with the things that are going around you but also it helps to develop discipline the best practitioners are those that start off with some level of discipline some form of regular practice can help you do that if you just sit around and wait for a client to show up and then you go okay i'm going to try the, my hand at this love spell you may find that you're not very successful Some people are just naturally gifted and they can do that. But most people have to develop some form of practice, regularly connecting with spirit, regularly doing readings, whatever it is to develop that form of discipline is really crucial. Next, you want to find what works for you. What is the ideal way for you to take on clients? And that really involves what you enjoy doing. What type of clients do you want to work with? Who do you prefer to work with? Right? Don't just set up shop like I take on all clients. Ask yourself, what makes you happy? What do you enjoy doing? Like some people cannot stand doing court case work. So don't put up a shingle for doing court case work if you hate doing it. Your client will be unhappy. You will be unhappy. Which type of clients do you prefer working with? Do you prefer working with women? Do you prefer working with women who are trying to get their husbands or their partners back? Do you prefer working with children? What do you prefer working with? Do you prefer doing love work? These are things you can answer for yourself, and you can do some magic to help get you to that point. So what I want you to do is take a white candle, dress it with clarity oil and master key oil, and by light of this candle, write down the things you're interested in. I'm interested in doing love work that pays me really well. I'm really interested in legal work. I really don't want to do cursing work. Uh, I want clients that are generous. I want clients that come from a similar walk of life like I do, who will be able to relate to what I do. Write it all down. Once you've written this down, take a bay leaf, burn it in this candle, and pray for clarity. Snuff the candle out, place the list under your pillow, go to sleep. The next night, repeat the process. Light the candle, and this time begin to revise your list. Do I really want to do that work? Nope. (laughs) Cross that out. Mm, no, I really want to do this other one. Replace this, that with something else. Revise this list. Again, burn a bay leaf, snuff out the candle, place it under your pillow, go different. Do it for three nights. On the third night, you should have, after you burn the bay leaf, a consolidated list that is the essence of what you want to do and what will be ideal for you. Then use this to build your practice. How do you build that practice? First, connect with community. This is not done in isolation. Uh, Hoodoo is not a solitary witch status we work for the people. Find a community. Maybe for you that's connecting with the people of the Lucky Mojo Forum. You really help them find the products that they need. You really help them find the various threads that they need. Maybe it's a Facebook group. Whatever it is, find other people and start with them. Work with them. Develop a relationship with them. Make a name for yourself in whatever it is that you do. I hate to use the word brand, but develop that brand around the essence. Those are the questions that you're going to answer in the forum. Those are the questions answer in the Facebook group. Trade readings with people so that you can develop the practice and you can develop your skills. But being able to define the essence of who you are and what it is you do and then start to showcase that by building a community around it is crucial. Kat, myself, Reverend James, we all have our unique brand. mean just right now we heard about the unique and eclectic background of Reverend James, but also something very unique. He offers Chinese fortune telling, right? Not that many people do that in AIR. Kat and I have a more (laughs) teaching background. So people know when they come to Kat and they come to me, they're going to get some level of mentorship. Both of us will probably spend five minutes telling you the history of something, right? (laughs) And we'll guide you to how to use
1: it. So there's, we have
3: brands, right? We have ways people know, look, if I've got, if i got problems with love, I can go to Deacon Millett, right? If I need something, you know, like if I need someone who's in the Afro-Brazilian tradition, oh, Ali has that mix of astrology, hoodoo, and gimbanda, right? So everybody has something unique that they do. What is the unique thing that you do? Build your community around that. And then of course, I cannot finish this without uh, giving Ms. Katz timeless advice. Do you have a website? Do you have business cards? <laughs> that is going to be immensely important for building this practical um, shop for yourself. This is what I've got. Let's see if Reverend James and Miss Cat have anything further to add here. Well, first of all, I'm going to ask: Do you have business cards? <laughs>
2: No, I haven't done anything yet. Back, back up. up. Your $10 will now be refunded. (laughs) That's a joke. (laughs) That's a joke. The old lady who taught me card reading would refund a person's uh, $10 for the reading if they didn't have business, if they asked about business and didn't have business cards. So I would refund your $10 had you paid it to me. Get your business cards. Start with your business cards. Do you have a website? No. Ah. Get your website so together, easy. baby. Come on, now come yep. on. They're not going to find they're not going to find you if you're hiding under yep. a tortoise shell somewhere. You got to be out so there many, in the very, world.
4: Very <laughs> easy website designers online. You can find ton of them that are free and 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 that'll get you started mm-hmm. and there's, there's a lot of them are point and click, very easy.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And um and then, of course, uh, um, once you have that business card, I want you to start sending it out to people, making sure that people get it. Send me a, you know, a big pile of twenty-five of them, and I'll distribute them for you. Um, I love to help other people, and I'm a business card collector in the business card collecting community. Send me a hundred of them, and they'll go all over the world. That's what we do with business cards, but. Mm-hmm. Um, then we also have the question exactly what conjure man said do you have specialties can you name them This is mm-hmm. you ask what specialties you should have but that was a premature question I think and the reading seems to have proven true you need to get those basic things lined up first the next question I ask is do you have a payment method that's a question do you have a payment method um, no Okay, so you need a payment method. So what you need is to, you're a graduate of my course, I want you to head on over to the part Mm -hmm. of the student-only forum which is about mm-hmm. building building a professional career. There's a bunch of threads there. Please read those. One of them is also about friendship and mentorship. Put out a call. Send up a flare. I need a mentor to help me with my business. We'll help you. We'll get you there. We may be that wind that gets your boat to sail.
1: Mm-hmm. Good luck.
2: Thank you. Good luck. Thank All you, so right. much. Sure. All right. Wow. Okay. Um Now, we're going to go to our uh, next client, which I presume will be spoken of by Clifford Lowe.
0: Yes, indeed. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com. And by the Association Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic entrepreneurs Located online at readersandrootworkers.org and by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call one eight eight four Hoodoo or visit Hudo And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, located online at crystalsilenceleague. org. Now it's time to go to the phones and talk to our next client. Our caller is Dom Christ, calling from area code five one zero. Dom Christ, are you there? Yes, this is the Dom Christ. Very sorry about that, Dom Christ. All right, um, you said that you were trying to lose weight and get your best appearance back. What are your best moves for appearing your appearance for spring? Coming over to you, Ms. Kat.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to turn this over to Conjurman, who's going to do a Chinese fortune-telling method for you. Mm-hmm. about um, your uh, losing your weight and uh, getting your best appearance back for spring. And then we're going to turn it over to James, and he's going to give you a second fortune-telling method from China. And then we'll turn it over to me for root work, and I'll have a lot to say, I'm sure, being one of those ladies who perpetually wants my weight to be the best it can be. So let's turn it over to Conjure Man first.
3: Sure. Thanks, Ken. So I I started casting. I'm doing an I Ching reading, deep reading, and I did the coins while Cliff was talking. Uh, So I I shook them up so that no one can hear the clinging and the clanging, and I have created a hexagram, and I'm only going to read the one hexagram that I've created. So in I Ching, it's a binary system, not dissimilar from a geomancy, which is one of the reasons why I was drawn to uh, I Ching in, in my teens and found it so fascinating because there's some overlap with it. You cast the coins, and as a result of the number, you create a line, and the lines then create a hexagram, and the hexagram has a particular meaning, not unlike a geomantic figure. So here we have hexagram 41, known as mountain above, lake below, decline. And the reading here says, excess is held by immobility. The enlightened person acts with moderation, avoid anger, develop confidence, sacrifice, brings good fortune, freedom from error. So the meaning here is the development of some type of moderate approach towards whether it's weight loss or health or diet. One of the big, big tricks of diets or weight loss is that people often treat this as a sort of short-term thing. I'm going on a diet in order to lose weight. but In actuality, diet means the regimen of eating. It's a regular practice. If you develop something that you can endure, right, a moderate approach towards diet, towards regimented health, that you can keep going as a life change, that will be more successful for you. Because if it is in excess, then it will hold you in immobility. It'll, you won't be able to succeed. You won't be able to do well. So don't do any sort of get fast uh, lose weight fast schemes. None of those. Don't do any sort of like sudden weight loss fast, sudden like I'm going to starve myself or take this pill. That's not going to be an entirely successful. But if you develop some form of regimen that you can do regularly that is manageable by you, then you will start to be in the weight shape and the health that you want. And what I mean... Health, that can be a variety of different things. The more you exercise, your body looks the way that you want, but you also start to glow in a certain way. Your skin looks the way that you want it to do. So you want to develop some form of moderate, some form of balanced, regimented approach towards health. It also says to avoid anger here and to develop confidence that your health will be deeply tied to your emotions. Uh, this is true, like through and through. We know that certain emotions, uh, are conducive for keeping weight on us. Depression and anger in particular. It does something to the body. It keeps it there. So you want to develop some form of emotional component to the work that you do. We know that this is also true when it comes to exercise, endorphins start kicking in. You start feeling good about yourself, especially once you get on that scale and you've lost the first few pounds, you're like, oh, yeah, hell yeah, right? Or you look in the mirror and your body starts to look the way that it does. So this is about a holistic approach to health more than anything else. Develop a uh, tradition of health, develop a regiment of health, develop a regiment of diet that is going to be with you for the rest of your life or with you long-term. but also make sure that you're attending to your emotional health. I would say that, uh, and I'm signal boosting or or signposting from this cat here a little bit, some form of magic around confidence is going to be key for you. You don't want to fall into despair or doubt, and then that leads you to breaking your diet. Like, oh, I haven't lost the amount of weight that I've wanted to do. Screw it, I'm going to go get Taco Bell, right? You want to develop a a level of, you want to develop that optimism. You want to develop that confidence so that you remain committed to it. And this is true, right? Diets can test our willpower. When you're sitting at home, especially because we eat when we're bored, we eat when we're angry, we eat when we're horny, we eat whatever, And so it, it tests our willpower <laughs> and you want to be in a place where you feel confident and strong in your willpower that you can look in the mirror and go, I'm on the right track. So some type of work, not just about changing yourself holistically, but also magically giving yourself that confidence boost. A little bit of enchantment work can go here, uh, a lot, can go a long way in particular and I think it'll, it'll be successful for you. Um, and then finally, uh, there's, it says, uh, freedom, well, freedom from error. Good will bring good fortune. And so the more committed you are to this, the more you kind of develop this as a long-term strategy, not just about getting into the place, uh, where you want weight-wise, but to actually see this as a health change, that I want to be free. I want to look the way that I do when I wear the clothes that I wear. I want to look the way that I do when I go out there. I want to get the attention that I want to get when I'm out there. If you think of it in those terms, then these changes are easy to make because they're about making lifestyle changes. So this is about orienting your mentality, developing a holistic practice around health, and then doing some magic around confidence and boosting your enchanting abilities. You do this, and I suspect that you will be successful. It does indicate that good fortune will come your way. It may not come right by springtime, but hit summer, you'll probably be where you want to be or at least headed in the right direction. I turn this now over to Reverend James. We'll do your next reading, and then Ms. Kat will give you some good work recommendations.
4: Thank you, Pastor. Wow, conjurement,
3: Ali. That was great. Thank you, thank you. From um, you, that's high praise. <laughs>
4: <laughs> that, was, that was very full. Um, so the way I want to go with this is um, I want to do a Shaolio Ren reading, but that's going to require us to kind of look at your question a little bit and kind of re- reformat it a, a little. And I want to I talk that through with you. Would it be okay to say, um, I continue on the path I'm at now. Will I be able to lose the weight that I need, that I would like to by spring. Would that be okay with you? Um, yeah, if that's the best way, that's fine. Uh, well, you, you said you wanted to find out some issues that you might face, so this will kind of show us anything that on your current path where you're headed if there might be any bumps. So what okay, I'm gonna perfect. need from you is just three random numbers. This can be any numbers, it could be intuitive numbers, it can be numbers that, you know, it could be attributed to your weight, anything.
2: Okay. 175.
4: 25. <laughs>
1: oh, wait. That was one. Go it, ahead. It You're fine. 175. One digit?
4: It can be any, any number. 175 was your but, first. What's your second? 25. Okay. And um, 9 for the last one. Okay. So. What I have here is the, the way this reads out is the first um, number gives us your, the beginning, how things are going to start. Um, the, second thing, uh, the second number gives us w- how it's going to proceed and the outcome. So funny enough, I think that be, being that we asked this question after you got your reading from uh, Conjurman Ali, you have a bright future ahead of you. Um, while you may not be able to make the uh the exact weight that you want or your ideal weight you're definitely going to see a lot of changes and um that, while uh and ali said that they might not happen quickly i think that you will see quick changes but we all probably know uh, it, those of us that may have you know lost and uh gained weight or, uh, a little bit that sometimes those will jump and you'll see that uh you'll you'll notice that you're starting to lose things rather quickly even if it's not a large amount. Um does that make sense to you?
2: Yes, uh definitely because I <laughs> it's so funny this is reading is really on point because I literally just went somewhere and realized that I lost weight without trying because I started doing more steps. So, yeah, it's definitely
4: on point. It, that, that, exactly. So what, what we have is the first part, you're, you're starting with great harmony. That means you're off on a great foot. You're, um, the, the way things are going to proceed is, again, great harmony. That means that I think with Conjurman Ali's advice that you're going to move forward with a vigor a, a and um, the outcome is rapid happiness. So just from the fact that we've got to the end of this reading and you're seeing those synchronicities already and that you're already seeing that little bit of loss of weight, I think that you'll be able to continue with it easily and be able to reach that goal.
2: Wonderful. Um, Thank I you. I guess this is where I'm going to step in with some root work. I'm going to base my root work um, on the I Ching reading. Um, Contraman gave you one translation of it. I Posted in the chat, the translation that I'm most familiar with, which is the Wilhelm Baines translation. And I'm going to just read it to you the way I see it and how it relates to root work and how it relates to dieting is freaking amazing. So, the judgment. Decrease combined with sincerity brings about supreme good fortune. So this means you have to sincerely want to have the decrease, and as both Uh, Reader said, not to be just losing weight like I'm on a crash diet, but sincerity. Mm -hmm. It brings about supreme good fortune without blame. Blame yourself for having gained the weight, right? You're just going to give yourself a pass. These things happened, and now you don't blame yourself. You're just going forward. One may be persevering in this. That means uh, it'll take a little time. You're going to have to persevere. It furthers one to undertake something. In other words, start now undertake it. And then the real kicker lines, how is this to be carried out? One may use two small bowls for the sacrifice. And when I saw the two small bowls, I immediately thought of portion control. Uh So, (laughs) yeah, portion control. So, and why is it called the sacrifice? This is an offering to be given at, at an altar, presumably for ancestors or spirits. I'm going to give you a recommendation based on this, work and also um, there's another little part here the image at the foot of the mountain the lake that's what makes up the hexagram the image of decrease thus the superior man controls his anger and restrains his instincts now it's not usually anger that makes us eat we sometimes eat just because we're bored we eat for many many reasons but sometimes we do eat out of anger and anger at ourselves Uh, restraining your instinct Having food is an instinctual need, but you're going to restrain it. That's what you're going to do. So you're going to lessen your reliance on instinct and you're going to increase your reliance on the two small bowls for the sacrifice. And here's what I'd like you to do. When you cook a meal, I want you to divide it in half or if it's inconvenient to do so, divide it into two-thirds and one-third. But I want you to put some of it away in the freezer for later. And then one night, you don't have to cook because you've got this frozen meal. You've made portion control. Use small bowls. Whatever size bowl you used to use when you were young, whatever size plate you used to fill, and how much you used to fill it, you're going to go back to that size plate and that size bowl. You're not going to load it all up and ask for seconds in a third bowl. Don't do it. Two small bowls, Mm -hmm. put one in put one aside. If you can't put it aside, if it's a food that just doesn't freeze well or you don't want to freeze it, put it outside and make an offering of it to the animals. Make an offering to nature. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. if it's not if it's not good food, they won't eat it. In other words, if it's food that's really, you know, toxic type of food and there is some toxic, you know, manufactured food and you see the animals won't even eat it, that means that offering is rejected. Do not eat that food, again, for the duration of your dieting. But offer that food to the animals. That's sharing. They get the weight that you don't get. Okay? So this is a very conscious form of work. Um, and small bowls, says Ms. Miranda Thoreau, are always so pretty. You, I love it when people use beautiful small items to make what they have mm-hmm. look interesting. And this is really important. Get yourself some new bowls if you want them, small Small bowls. Cliff Lowe said something, too. He says, I find it useful as to forgive myself for throwing away food and don't consider it wasteful. Well, Cliff Lowe, mm-hmm. I was raised in a in a Jewish household, that we didn't do that because think of the starving children. So I was taught by my mother to put it out, to put it out for the birds if it was seeds and crumpled up potato chips or whatever, and... Put it out for the raccoons. Put it on the ground. Put it out for the skunks. Put it out for the squirrels. And don't consider that you're wasting it. Don't throw it in the garbage. Put it out for the animals to eat. But if they don't eat it, that means it's not good food. Now, what if you live up in an apartment, 17th floor, in a city of concrete? Well, you going to take that small bowl, that extra small bowl. And you have two small bowls now. You take that extra small bowl or maybe just wrap it in um, a little piece of paper. Don't use plastic. Don't use aluminum foil. That'll hurt the animals. And take it out to a park. That moment of getting you out of nature will also help you. You talked about stepping. Walk to a place where there is greenery in a park and put the food down there for the animals. Put it in a safe place for them. Don't make a big scene. Just do it and say may others have the benefit of my excess calories. Okay? So it's, ma- it's magic, but it's spiritual magic. And I really do believe that walking out into nature, stepping will help you. It's not so much that it helps you burn calories, but it rearranges your metabolism. And I'm going to give you a couple of other things to think about. Uh, You can sign up for any number of online weight loss support groups. We all know their names. I don't have to give them all. But um, all of them have certain benefits to them. If you need the help of having a coach or a community join a weight loss community. It really helps. They are the most forgiving people, too, because they've been through it, the cycles of up and down. Don't worry about it. I really feel for you. I really feel you can succeed. If you ever need help, um, you know, get on the Lucky Mojo Forum and ask people to, you know, spend some time with you. We talk about this sort of stuff all the time at the Lucky Mojo Forum. All right, does, uh, does James, do you have anything extra to add to what I had to say?
4: Uh, just that what I posted into the, the chat there is that, you know, sometimes with portion control, you know, if you have trouble um, with cutting down how much you eat, just try stretching out those meals. So eat more smaller meals a day, and then that that's working off of, you know, as you, you eat as you get hungry. And as you need that energy, versus eating a lot and then pressure, uh, pushing through, you know, all of that energy that you that you had to work through after you ate a large meal.
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's a
4: yeah. That's a good way to think of
2: it. And I, again, I'm going to say, I know that as I began to gain weight after menopause, I found that I was like lying to myself and saying, "Oh yes." I love these bowls when they are, or these plates, filled, overflowing. And yet I remember some of them had rings on them, like Fiesta, where they had circles on them. And I'd say, I know I used to fill it only out to this level, but now I can fill it to this other, right to the edge. And I looked at myself (laughs) and said, what am I I telling myself, right? And so I just took away that extra part and said, I'm going to save that for lunch tomorrow. Or Mm -hmm. if it was the kind of food that the animals around here would like, I'm just going to take that out. And it's not throwing it away. It's a giving it as an offering to those who are constantly in search of calories, the little wild ones among us who have no fancy chef, and no door dash, and no no Popeye's chicken sandwich. Sob,
1: sob. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and, you know, you know, celebrate your milestones, too, no matter how small they are, because you're improving yourself, and that's important. Mm-hmm. Well, thank right. you so much, Reverend James. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And if it if it comes down to money, you can also send the money if, if, rather than buy food, you know, on a daily basis. Find some little charity that uh, supplies um, food um, to the hungry, whether in the United States or in some place around the world. I have a, a friend who lives in Nigeria. He sent me some photos of the village he lives in. Those people look like they could use some help. And, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to send them the shirt off my back, but, you know, a little PayPal goes a long way, and then I don't have that money to spend on food. It's an offering. All right. And now we're going to have the Wildlands of Snafu bringing us our network schedule announcement.
3: All-time specific, Add 3 Hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville,
1: California,
3: and online at
0: luckymojo.com. Time for our free spell segment from Reverend James of philconjure.com in North Carolina. Take it away, Reverend James.
4: All right. So where this comes from is from a temple experience that I had. Um, not in China, but another Asian uh, country. And what you're going to need for this is a pencil, uh, some rice paper, or an eco-friendly water-soluble paper um, that's easily found now. You can get a good, good chunk of them for uh, about $10, $20. Uh, and a local flowing water source, preferably like a, a creek or a river. And, and you kind of want it flowing away from your house. Um, so what you're going to do is you're going to cut out a doll shape from this paper and then write whatever your worry, your problem, your fear, or any negativity that you're holding on to. You're going to write it in a in a word form or a doodle, however you express it, onto this little doll. And what you're going to do after that is you're going to hold it in your hand and you're going to make a heartfelt prayer to remove whatever this is from your life. And then gently place it in the water and watch as it dissolve down the river, so too may your problems dissolve with it.
1: That's it? Mm. That's it.
4: Very simple. (laughs) Very cool, though.
2: That's very, very neat. Now, you learned this, you said, in an Asian country other than China. So, of course, now (laughs) we're wondering, which
1: one?
4: So, it came from a Buddhist temple in Japan. Um, they they have this lovely little dragon fountain that um, has this little bitty stream that that runs away from it and it has this little bitty box next to it with these little sheets of little people that you can take out and write your worries on and it has a little gate about halfway down where the bend is and you'll just watch it go down and in in about 10-15 seconds this piece of paper just dissolves and it really does it just feels like Whatever you wrote on that paper just dissolves with it and goes with it, and the dragon Mm. just pushes it away.
2: How wonderful. Well, Nagashiva posted something which I was thinking, too, very similar to Guatemalan worry dolls. Do you know about those?
1: Yeah.
4: Yes. Yes, yes, indeed. (laughs) They are very similar. So, like yeah. those, you put, they put your worries under the pillow, and then when they disappear or they get lost, they've taken that worry with you. It works well, on the very same yes, usually it's the mother who takes the worry doll away to tell
2: the truth, but we won't let the children know that.
1: <laughs> but,
2: <laughs> or the tooth fairy, the worry doll fairy comes and gets them. But, yes, yeah, so in the... In the worry doll tradition, these are tiny little dolls made of little splinters of like matchstick wood and little bits mm-hmm. of cloth remnants from the weavers of Guatemala who weave beautiful cloth. And the child is to tell their worries to the worry doll and then put it under the pillow. And in the morning, voila, it's gone. The worry is gone. Mm-hmm. So I love the idea that these are little doll shapes. It's also very fortuitous that you tell me this because I'm working on a book right now. I'm going to actually get a write-up of this from you uh, and ask your permission and credit you in the book because it's a great use of a doll and um, it's a way to uh, produce in yourself a change. It also, Mm -hmm. on the other hand, bears a resemblance to... A form of work that is found in Africa, in African American culture, and in many other cultures, which is to write your
1: uh, prayer.
2: You knew what I was going to say. Write your prayer on a piece of paper (laughs) uh, with a water soluble ink and put it in your bath water, and then bathe in it, and your troubles will go down the drain. Also, there's a spiritualist version of this in which you would use red ink or even beet juice to write on a white plate and mm-hmm. you um, wash that white plate either into the bath or you wash it in a mm-hmm. stream of water and your prayer goes forth so there are many ideas of mm-hmm. the dissolving writing and there's another one um which Ali is probably still laughing at, so i'm about to say it. there's another one which just called drinking your prayer yeah in so which you, know. you Yeah, Lucianus taught us those at one of the old Huda Heritage Festivals a long time ago. Actually, he did it twice. Um, You wrote your um, wish on a piece of paper, and you uh, put it into a liquid which he had prepared based on which kind of condition it was, love or money or health or anxiety or whatever. You drank it, and then he prepared an antidote to the drink, which was a different drink that you would drink to have your wish come true, and mm. um, it would be your good wish. Oh. And um, yeah, it was it was wonderful work. And he he said this was his personal adaptation from an Afro Caribbean tradition, but it was very much um, pioneered and personalized by Lukiana. So this all yeah. fits That's into brilliant. a large tradition. Yeah. I love it. It's
4: very similar now, to uh, fuxue, which is where they they take uh, fu papers, which is a magical Chinese symbol written on uh, yellow paper with typically red ink, and then they burn mm-hmm. it and put the ash into water and drink it. Right, hmm. to
3: take that's that, another that energy one. That that's
2: energy. another mm-hmm. one. Exactly. That is so true, yeah. too. And
1: uh,
3: it's also that's, found in uh, Middle Eastern cultures known as rokaya, which is the paper is burnt or it's dissolved in water and drank as uh, some type of uh, to remove gin in particular. Uh, the water is then drank and it removes gin from the body. But I love this type of dissolving of ink, dissolving of papers, dissolving of things in waters. It's such an organic, beautiful, naturalistic approach to magic. But there's all these really cool adaptations from across world cultures. And I, I
2: love the fact that you as you described it and I could just see it. There were these actual doll-shaped pieces of paper yeah. waiting for people to write is, is that, that is amazing. That is so thoughtful, so interesting. Um, well,
4: As an extra, I guess, that I can throw out there real quick is that mm-hmm. the, the tour guide that was with us and told us that there was a curse that you could do with these also, which is very quick. Mm. You write the person's name on the same piece of paper, but instead of putting it in the water this time, you take your shoe and you beat it. Oh, oh yeah. yes. Old school doll baby <laughs> stuff. Love that.
2: Yes, sometimes known as villain beating yes um enemy beating yes that's a that is a wonderful um western uh, Chinese you find it in Hong Kong and Macau uh beating mm. with the shoe I love that yeah that's that's mm-hmm. great yeah mm-hmm. that's a those those um methods you see sometimes are so embedded in one culture that other cultures have never heard of them. Thank you so, so much for that. I I mm, love the fun. idea. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful spell. All right. Well, there is our music starting up, and that means that we're going to bring Cliff Lowe back in front of the curtain from behind where he was waiting. <laughs> Come on, Cliff, and give us our little <laughs> outro, and then we're going to all say goodbye in our various separate and several ways. Mm.
0: All right. Thank you, Ms. Cat and Conjure Men. Thank you, Reverend James of bookconjure.com in North Carolina for being on a guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when our special guest, Cousin Joshua of cousinjoshua.com in Atlanta, Georgia, bring us the topic of on Walking the Wealthy Way. Once again, we come to the end of another Lucky Mojo food work hour brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Cat in the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Conjure Man and Consulting in Mission VO, California. I'm your announcer Clifford Lowe, joining you from ClipLow.com. The uh, Lucky Mojo Good, good Worker Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific 6 p.m. Eastern Time and the shows are available to in archive via luckymojo.com slash radioshow.html For all of us at Lucky Mojo I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you will hear the familiar strains of a Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thank you everybody and goodbye. Thank you Cliff um, and thank you reverend james for being
2: our guest we're going to have to have you on again and we're Mm -hmm. going to talk more about these topics
1: yeah very uh, fun
2: yeah it's a lot of fun um thank you contraband for the uh, fabulous readings and the and the historical background so, folks, as I said at the outset, the Hoodoo Heritage Festival is scheduled for August 13th and 14th. Tickets will go on sale pretty early this year. They're going to go on sale on Monday. And we, we want you all to get your tickets. And uh, this is going to be a virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival. So you can join and participate from anywhere in the world. You will get a box in which there will be goodies of all kinds. There will be books. There will be spiritual supplies. There will be all types of um, things to do during the workshop. I have it on Good Report from one of the presenters that you will receive string, for instance, the gift of string. So, <laughs> so we have a lot coming up, and we're going to talk about it more as time goes by. So uh, also, for those of you who are my patrons, stay tuned. We're going to be having... A uh, new Patreon webpage page uh, on the 7th. All right, everybody. All right. Goodbye. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye. And Bye. Bye. Bye.
4: in, in Chinese, zai qian.
1: All right.